Do you know today God loves you? I mean, we hear that phrase a lot, God loves you. We hear it in different ways, we see it in different places, but God loves you. That's interesting. Maybe you hear it um, like a southern, little sappy southern thing, like, God loves you. You ever hear somebody say that? Or the sales pitch, God loves you? Like, do I have a deal for you? I got to tell you about God. He loves you, and I got a deal for you, and if you do these three easy steps, you can receive his love right here, right now. Do you believe? Or maybe you get the angry God loves you, like God loves you. And if you don't turn to him, I mean, if you don't turn now, you will burn. I mean, the preachy, difficult, screaming through a megaphone, God loves you. I mean, we hear this phrase, God loves you. We see it on bumper stickers and across the media, on billboards. This week, I I literally saw it in social media. There was a, a picture of a kitten kind of touching a flower with the paw, and it said, God loves you. I'm not really sure what the kitten in the paw, I just, we see God loves you all over the place. It almost becomes background noise. You know, to hear God loves you, see God, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, yawn, God loves me. Eh, Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, I'm not really sure. Really, he would love me? I'm a traffic jam, I'm not sure I believe it, I'm not sure I agree. And it just, it's kinda out there, but we don't really believe it. Maybe we don't really know it. Is it possible though, today, that he really does love you? Like not in a sales pitchy, sort of sappy way, but like empirically true. He loves you. Is it possible that you can know he loves you? And if that's true, how? How can we know empirically that the God of the universe really loves us? You know, people tell us that they love us. And we think that love is a feeling. But really, love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is something that we do. If someone says they love you, but they don't do it with their actions, That's not love. The God of the universe loves us, and we can know he loves us as we look into his word and we see his attributes and his character. He doesn't love us because we deserve to be loved. He doesn't love us because we earned his love. His character is that he is love. And we're working our way through the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. And it's actually a verse that describes how we can know, concrete, know that God loves us. How we can know it to be true. John 3.16. And we're working our way through the Gospel of John. And here's where we land today in knowing he loves us. How do we do that John's going to write this for us today. We started looking at John chapter 3 last week. This interaction John or Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. This man, Nicodemus, comes up to Jesus and says, I know you're powerful. I see you. I know you're something special. I got questions, though, for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't see me. You actually can't see. No one can see God or his kingdom unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says what we would say, like, how do you born again? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? How can that be? And Jesus says, well, you were born once physically. You had no control over being born physically. And you must be born again spiritually. And you can have no control over that either. It's not your good works. It's not based on your merit or your abilities. 
But he says in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, this is just review from last week. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Here, Jesus with Nicodemus is foreshadowing his death, and he's saying, I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and I'm going to be nailed to a cross, lifted up among people. And when you look at me, when you believe in me, you can be born again. He says to Nicodemus and to us, to be born again and to live eternally is to believe in Jesus, to put our faith in trust. I mean, this is the core of Christianity. This one statement is the center of all of Christianity, that to gain forgiveness and new life and entrance into the kingdom of God is by faith. It's I believe and I gain access to God This is where forgiveness comes from. And I think John, the author who's writing this, knows that this sounds kind of exclusive. Like for you to say there's only one way, you must be born again, it must happen through believing in Jesus, I think he knows that sounds kind of rigid, maybe kind of narrow, which is why I think he writes these words, John 3.16, that are famous to give us the motivation behind this, help us to see what motivates You must believe in Jesus. And he writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John wants us to know that to be born again is to believe in Jesus, but that's not exclusive. It's motivated by love, that God so loved the world that the creator, the sustainer, the one who existed before all time and will be forever, the alpha and the omega, the greatest, strongest, wisest, all-knowing God of the universe, existed forever in a love relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in this perfect love relationship and decided in their sovereignty that they would create. Anytime you make something like a loaf of bread, you do it because you love. God created the world out of love to share his love with those who he created in his image. And in his love, he said, I will allow my children, people, to choose me or not to choose me, to love me or to not love me. He knew before the beginning of the world from the foundations of the earth that we would choose not to love him. And he set in plan a place to send himself, his son, to come into the world to do something about this. He so loved the world. I love that it's the world. He didn't so love a town or a race or a state or a country. He didn't so love a certain people who went to college or a certain people who don't go to college, certain people that work harder than less. It doesn't say anything about gender or race or ethnicity or economics or academics or maturity. He just says, so God so loved the world, literally the cosmos, He so loved the widest birth of every person ever born. He so loved the world that he didn't just say he loved, he gave. This is how we know God loves us because he gave us Jesus. This is how we can know it empirically. In his love, he gave his son something precious to him, something special. He didn't give us a servant. He didn't give us a prophet. He didn't give us an angel. He gave his son. And it's not like he's got 12 sons. 
He's got one son. It's precious to him, his only son. God so loved the world that he gave not a servant, a prophet, an angel, a son, the only son. He's God. He shows us that love isn't a feeling but an action. He loves us so much. He wants us so much. He gives something so precious to him so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever, whomever, whosoever, anyone, everyone, all people, no qualifiers, that whoever would say, I believe in this son, would have eternal life, that whoever would say, I believe, would not perish eternally in spiritual death, whoever would say, I believe, I want you. He would give a relationship adopted into the family of God to live with God forever so that when we take our final breath, we can be reunited with our creator forever and always. Anyone who believes, not based on how much you believe, he doesn't say anybody that believes a lot, anyone who believes perfectly without doubts, he just says anyone who believes, anyone who believes, and he understands, I think, the writer, that belief is hard work. It's hard to believe. Religion is easy. You see, he could have said, well, if you want a relationship, here are five easy steps, and as humans, we would check the box, check the box, check the box, check the box, and we get entrance into the kingdom of heaven. We all want it that way, because that's easy. But he says, no, I want you to believe. I want you to trust. I want you to put your faith in me. That God loves us so much that he sends Jesus into this world to show us the extent of God's love. And when he dies and rises again and pays for our sins on the cross, we can come alive and have a relationship with God forever. That's how we can know he loves us, that he would sacrifice this much. But verse 17 is pretty cool because it tells us another reason we can know that God loves us. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that word condemn, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, condemn. I mean, that word condemn is all about judgment. So you have this perfect holy God who can't even be in the presence of sin, can't have anything impure around him. This perfect God wants a relationship with us, but I'm not perfect. If I'm gonna stand before a holy judge and have to give a perfect account for my life, how's that gonna go? You see, God knows this about us. He knows that we have condemning voices inside our minds. He knows we're ashamed of our behavior. I mean, can you imagine if I was like, let's go to the videotape of what Joe acted like this week. Let me show you all my thoughts and all of my motivations of how I treated my family, some of the things I thought about some of you. If I showed that up on a screen, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of what goes through my head and my heart. There are decisions I've made in the past, things that I still do today that are shameful. God knows that about us as humans, that we are ashamed. And you wanna know how he know, we can know he loves us? He anticipates that. So that before we're born, he put in plan a place so that you don't feel condemned. We can know God loves us because he gave Jesus not to condemn us. 
but to save us. I mean, that is incredible love, that he knows how shameful you and I feel. He knows that, and he knows how condemning we'd feel if we stood before him, and he goes, I don't want you to feel that way. You don't have to fear condemnation any longer. You don't have to give in to shame any longer. I've got a better way for you. His name is Jesus, and that is love, that he sent Jesus to live and die so that we would not be condemned. He tells us again in verse 18, this is hard work. He says, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. He's trying to draw distinctions for us and help us to understand. Here's what's important. We come into this world and we're physically alive, but every human being that's physically alive comes in spiritually dead. We're sinners by nature and by choice. It's just what we do. We rebel against God. We want to do our own thing, follow our own way. We're alive physically, but we're dead spiritually. And John is saying, unless you believe in this Jesus, and if you put your trust in Jesus, you're no longer condemned. But if you choose to not believe, that's to remain condemned as spiritually dead. I mean, he's not saying these things to scare anyone. He's just giving us our spiritual condition, giving us the honest, God's honest truth about every human. We're sinful, we're messed up, we're broken, and we're under this death sentence. And you could just dismiss this as hogwash and just go, yeah, forget it, this Jesus stuff. It's a bunch of bull. And what the Bible is telling us then is that we remain spiritually dead and we'll remain in that condition forever. Which is why John the Baptist at the end of this chapter, towards the end in verse 35, you might wanna look there, John 3:35, John the Baptist, this great forerunner that's preparing the way and pointing to Jesus, he says the Father loves the Son and placed everything in his son's hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Again, he's not trying to scare people, he's just giving an honest assessment. This is the spiritual condition of every human, that we're dead spiritually, Without Jesus, to not believe, to reject him, to say hogwash, is to remain spiritually dead. Which begs the question, why? I mean, why would you reject God's love? Why would you reject these truths? Why does anyone say, no, I don't need Jesus, I don't want Jesus? John answers that question in the next verse, verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. He's talking about the conscious, willful decisions we all make 
about how we talk, how we live, how we love, how we don't live, how we don't love, all the things that we do with our hands and our hearts. He's talking about conscious decisions that you and I make to willfully follow or not follow, honor or not honor, worship or not worship the God of the universe, live in connection with him or not live in connection. And he knows that all of us understand that our deeds are shameful. And the reason as humans we reject God's love is because we're comfortable in our darkness. We're kind of stuck in this darkness and we make decisions to honor ourselves, to follow our feelings, to do what we want whenever we want it. And we reject God, we ignore God, and we get comfortable living in that dark space so we're ashamed to come into the light. We don't want our deeds to be exposed. But John is saying, wait, when you understand the love of God and that he is not condemning you, he is not against you, he's for you, he invites you to follow and you walk into the light and you live in the light, you don't have to fear any longer. You don't have to feel ashamed any longer. But if you're comfortable in your darkness, you're going to reject love, you're going to reject light, you're going to be comfortable afraid living there. But God loves us too much. And maybe why you're here today, why you're listening to this today, is he loves you so much that he is not comfortable with you staying in darkness. He wants you to know the light. He wants you to embrace the light, but he's not going to force himself on you instead of saying, you're shameful, you're dirty, clean yourself up. That's what he could say, right? He could say, you're, you're shameful, you're dirty, you're impure. Do something to fix yourself. Pay your own debt. You fix this, you scumbag. He could, he could just do this to you and say, you fix it, you do something, you come to me when you're all cleaned up. He doesn't do that. Instead, he invites you by putting the light of Christ out in front of you and saying, this light, this love is available to you. You can accept it or reject it. But this light, this love pushes out sin and shame and gives you joy and peace. All it takes to get out of darkness is to believe. To believe the light has come. I need you to know this today. God loves you. And I know you want him to love you. I mean, we all want him to love you. And here's what gets in the way. Our doubts about God get in the way. Our sin and darkness and shame get in the way of experiencing God's love. Religion gets in the way, and all the experiences we've had in the past with religion that gets in the way so that we doubt that he loves us. Maybe the simplest way I can explain to you God's love is to talk about a grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, is there anything better than a grilled cheese sandwich? It's like the ultimate comfort food. Even if you're vegan, you can get vegan cheese, right? So you, just grilled cheese sandwich, gooey and hot on a cold day. Does it get better than that? So I have teenage sons who are always hungry. If they come in the house and they say, hey, I'm hungry, I go, why don't I make you a grilled cheese sandwich? You know they could accept that cheese sandwich or not. They could accept it and say, I'll eat it. Oh, they could be mad at me and say, well, why don't you give me something else? I want a different kind of sandwich. That's all I got. This is what I got. It's delicious and good. Eat the sandwich. And if they reject it, you know, if they spend the rest of their lives rejecting, eating physical food, what will happen? If you reject eating physical food, you die. 
Same is true spiritually. You see, God of the universe knows that we're physically alive and spiritually dead. He loves us too much to leave us that way, so here's what he does. He offers you a grilled cheese sandwich. And this is what the grilled cheese sandwich looks like. It's God's love in the center. But it's sandwiched with two incredibly important facts that you can't dismiss if you want his love. That Jesus really lived. That God knew our spiritual condition before the foundations of the earth and said, I am going to send my son into the world to be the perfect example, to love you, to be patient with you, to share with you grace, to share with you truth, to share with you hope. He understands sickness and emotion and struggle and understood every part of life, but he lived it perfectly, but he didn't just live. He died on a cross to absorb the penalty that I'm due, to pay the price that I should pay for all the sin and shame I've committed. He died on a cross and rose again. And if you want God's love, it comes sandwiched in this Jesus and you can't separate out his love from Jesus. You could try to pull it apart, it ain't coming apart. It's melted together permanently. You can't get his love without his son. And when you say, I believe, when you say, I believe, I will eat, I will accept, If you reject it and go, I want a different meal, then you remain spiritually dead, disconnected from God forever. He doesn't want that. He offers to you his love that comes through his son. And you might say, well, how do I get it? You just believe. It's not work harder, it's not clean up more. It's saying, God, I know I'm a mess. I know I'm broken. I know I have doubts. I know I struggle, I know I'm afraid, I know I could believe more, but I know I'm lost and I need you. Please love me and he offers Jesus to you and if you put your trust in Jesus, he saves you from your sins and rescues you. Today you can do that. You can accept his love. It's not magic words, it's no special formula or a special prayer. He knows your heart, you just open your heart to him and he comes in. But if you go, no, I don't want your grilled cheese, He won't stuff it down your throat. He loves you too much to force himself on you. He offers it. He loves you. And if you love him, you learn to obey his commandments. And one just simple thing, man, maybe today you come to know him, maybe you came to know him sometime in this last weeks or months. One of the things he says is, if you love me, would you show people that you love me? and you go public with your faith, and we're gonna have a baptism coming up soon where we just go public with our faith and we just sell, tell people that we belong to Jesus and his church, and if you put your trust in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, and what he invites you to do next is the next step is go public with it. Say, I belong to Jesus. So online you can watch, I do a video explaining what baptism is, love for you to take the next step loving Jesus and by declaring publicly you believe, God loves you and he wants those who love him to represent him in this world. I just think with you, I'm really concerned about our country and world, aren't you? I mean the hate, the division, the things that are going on, the violence, just the negativity every which way we go. 
There's more junk spewing out of people and everyone in our workplace and in our schools. It just seems to be so much hate. God loves you and he loves you so much that he wants you to be an agent of his love in this world. Can we agree that if we know the love of God, that we would be agents of his love, agents of his peace, agents of his mercy, agents of his grace, agents of his kindness and not division, that we would be a part of the solution, not the problem as Christ followers. That the Bible says the world will know that God is alive because of how we love people. Can we agree as a church family, if you love him and you know he loves you, then let's get busy loving other people because things are falling apart fast and what the world needs now is love. Because when we love first, then we can speak and start telling people about the one who changes everything. God, please help us. Please help our country to not be so divided. Please help our leaders in every corner of government, locally, state, federal. Please help each one of them to stand for what is true, to do what is right, humbly walk with you. God, today in this place, there are people that don't know you, don't have a relationship with you. I pray that something today would grab a hold of their hearts. They would not leave. They would not leave today doubting your love. I pray that every person in the sound of my voice would know in a concrete way, in the pit of their soul, that you love them and that you are for them, not against them, that you have not come to condemn, but to save. And you offer yourself to us in the person and the work of Christ. I pray that we would just believe, that you would use our belief to grant eternal life an abundant life that starts now and will last forever. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.